Hello and welcome to our Spotlight podcast on flow cytometry. I'm Lucy Cliff, editor of Bioanalysis Zone, and I'm joined today by Joyce Slusser, senior scientist and principal investigator at KCAS Bioanalytical and Biomarker Services. To start with Joyce, could you introduce yourself and explain your interest in flow cytometry? Sure, Lucy. I have been in science for approximately 30 years, and shortly after entering the scientific field, a new technology was introduced to the general market called flow cytometry. It is a way to look at cells and ask a number of questions at the same time. And originally it was two or three markers, but now we're up to 50 plus markers to ask of a single cell at a time. And I find that to be amazing. It's way beyond any Western blot or PCR that I've ever been able to do all at the same time. And these cells come from patients. And so my name is Joyce Lesser. I am a senior scientist at KCAS Bioanalytical services. I work in the live cell assay, part of the ligand binding department, and we do flow cytometry. Okay, thank you, Joyce. What are exosomes and why do scientists study them? So originally in flow cytometry, we looked at cells and asked questions of cells and we ignored everything smaller than cells. And shortly after flow cytometry became a clinical tool, people started looking at platelets. And platelets are smaller than cells. And so it turned out that the debris we've been ignoring was a real thing. And then not too long ago, someone said, well, there's stuff smaller than a platelet in blood. What is that? And it turns out that there are exosomes. They're smaller than platelets, and they are cellular products. They're actually small vesicles comprised of a lipid bilayer. They contain any number of proteins. They can carry RNAs of various sizes and activities, and they have bioactive lipids. And so it's been about 50 years since someone first described seeing these on a microscope, but now we can actually, quote unquote, see these with a flow cytometer. And research demonstrates that these exosomes, which are free floating in body fluids, are intracellular messengers. They serve also as biomarkers, so that's of interest to the pharmacology groups that we work with. And they can also serve as a therapeutic delivery method. So various companies are looking at putting things into exosome-like particles and putting them into the body in order to target them. And so if you think about a typical blood cell, it's about 8 to 10 micrometers in diameter. That's a lymphocyte, for example. An exosome is actually much, much smaller. It's about 30 to 80 nanometers. So that's an exosome, essentially, in a nutshell. What matrices should be examined for exosomes? So really, any body fluid from plasma, serum, urine, vitreous from the eye, ascites from any joint, CSF, synovial fluids, any of those fluids from the body can be examined for exosomes. What instrumentation is needed to investigate exosomes? Because these are so small, it has been, historically, the method of preparation is ultracentrifugation. And so we would take away the big proteins and centrifuge the living daylights out of a sample in order to get the tiny particles and hundreds of thousands of times G in order to purify them. Alternatively, you can precipitate them. And once precipitated, then you have to get them back into suspension. It's a good way to lose things. So purification and enumeration of such small vesicles often require specialized equipment, equipment that you don't necessarily find in a clinical laboratory, nor do you find the expertise to do that. 
So what KCAS has been busy doing over the last few months is optimizing a protocol in order to isolate exosomes from human plasma using kits that we have purchased from various companies, and then characterizing what we've been able to purify by flow cytometry. And our flow cytometer is actually optimized for characterization of small particles, and we have verified this for ourselves to make ourselves comfortable with the data using polystyrene beads, which don't exactly look like a small particle on, well, they are small particles, but they don't look like exosomes on the surface, but they do help us characterize the instrumentation and the noise that comes from any diluent that we would, or matrix that we would have our exosomes in. And so then we use a fluorescent bead at a known concentration, and we spike these into our samples as we process them, and that allows us to recover those beads along with the exosomes, making it sort of relevant to the number of exosomes that we're able to purify. Then, once we have an exosome, we start to characterize the antibodies that we want to stain the exosome with. So individually, we will incubate the exosomes with the antibodies and characterize each antibody's staining pattern for exosomes from a given patient or collection of patients. And then we'll come back and add two antibodies and three antibodies. So the problem with this really small particle is the surface area. We're working with much less surface area than we would have on a cell, and it's possible to over-label an exosome and reduce signaling. So we've optimized our panels at around six antibodies in order to characterize. And so we call that a plex, a six-plex for exosome characterization in healthy and diseased patients. Great answer. So are there common markers on all exosomes? So it turns out there are. CD9 and CD63 are the most common found on human exosomes, along with phosphatidylserine. So this is something that people who do apoptotic studies or work with macrophages, things that turn their cell membranes inside out, they'll know that phosphatidylserine is available on the surface. But additionally, we found that the human leukocyte antigen shows up on exosomes. So those four markers are very useful for ensuring that the thing that we're looking at is actually human-derived and an exosome. Thank you, Joyce. How do you determine what to ask when handling a study involving exosomes? So this really depends on the study. We have found several disease markers related to, say, oncology to be useful. And we can look at the surface of those markers and determine if these particles are coming from a tumor. It doesn't necessarily mean that the tumor is dying, but something is happening if we are able to monitor during, say, a course of treatment, the exosome production or availability in the matrix that we're looking at and determine if those are of a tumor origin with a tumor marker. Internally, we can also look at some of the markers that the exosome might be carrying, and those can be cytokines, they can be RNAs to help fellow tumor cells disseminated throughout the body, avoid drug or acquire drug resistance, that sort of thing. It's really a study-related marker subset that we will use to characterize exosomes. And finally, how do you see exosomes playing a role in future pharmacological developments? Often we find pharmacology studies looking for biomarkers in order to monitor drug activity. And so I foresee that exosomes will have a role in tumor microenvironment surveillance in the near future for flow cytometry and other studies for payload delivery. 
Thank you, Joyce, for joining me today, and thank you to our listeners. You can find more resources on flow cytometry at www.bioanalysis-zone.com or join the conversation by following us on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn.